Today's scripture reading is from Hosea 6. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. As at Adam, they have broken the covenant. They were unfaithful to me there. Gilead is a city of evildoers stained with footprints of blood. As marauders lie in ambush for a victim, so do bands of priests. They murder on the road to Shechem, carrying out their wicked schemes. I've seen a horrible thing in Israel. There, Ephraim is given to prostitution. Israel is defiled. Also for you, Judah, a harvest is appointed. You know, there's one activity I've missed since moving to D.C. It's an activity that I would wait all year long for in Vancouver. You see, Vancouver is a rare place where I could go to work, have dinner at home, and drive 30 minutes popping up to the local mountains for an evening of snowboarding or skiing. But inevitably, when that very first day of snowboarding arrived, it was often accompanied with pain. You see, all year long, I hadn't used these muscles. And all of a sudden, I had been, I would be engaging my quads and my back in ways that they weren't used to. But as the season went along, the muscles would get stronger and I would begin to feel less pain each time I hopped on my board. Now, it may not be snowboarding for you, but when you take on a new exercise, that pain that comes along with the activity is often the tearing of your muscle fibers. But as your muscles tear, they begin to be built up again to be stronger and healthier the more you continue in that activity. Now, as you continue to exercise, you'll find that your body gets used to that increased load. So to get bigger and stronger and healthier muscles, you have to introduce more strain by increasing the intensity of your exercise or the duration of your workouts. It's that process of tearing and healing that makes our body whole. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, that's exactly why exercise isn't my thing. This tearing and pain, I don't want anything to do with it. But you know what? God often uses tearing in our lives and in our world to make us whole. And that's part of the storyline of Israel that we find in Hosea. Over the past few weeks, we've begun to explore how God reveals God's love to Israel through Hosea's marriage to Gomer. It's a love that pursues, 
even through unfaithfulness, and even through the consequences. Today, we're going to see how God loves through a kind of tearing of sorts, through a discipline of Israel that leads to greater wholeness and beauty. So here's a quick summary for us to take to chapter 6, our text for today. In chapter 1, God instructs Hosea to marry a prostitute and have a children with her. Chapter 2 describes Gomer and Israel's idolatrous practices and unfaithfulness. And in chapter 3, God commands Hosea to go and find his wayward wife and redeem her back from her current lover as a sign of God's loyal love for Israel, despite their unfaithfulness. You know, last week we looked at the metaphor of earthly marriage that points to this marriage, this covenant relationship between God and God's people, first to Israel and now to the body of Christ. And from chapter four on, the rest of the book, the tone changes. It's a little less prose and more a series of repetitive poetic declarations of consequences. Chapter four follows the form of a lawsuit outlining God's charges against Israel and particularly with the priests who lead her. And remember that in Hosea, references, you'll see all these words like Ephraim, Samaria, Israel, and Jezreel. And they are all interchangeable references to the northern kingdom of Israel. The leaders feed on the sins of others, we're told. Israel's idolatry and violation of God's covenant relationship has led to just injustice and poor treatment of others. That's chapter 4. And in chapter 5, God's judgment expands to include all of God's people, saying that in verse 4, they have the spirit of prostitution that is on their hearts. They literally have no capacity to return to the Lord. And though God promises to love them, they will experience suffering and judgment because they have broken that partnership agreement with the Lord. And the Lord would not be found by them. You know, it describes how Ephraim and, and, and Judah experience sickness, but they would not be able to find relief from their sickness because, by going to Assyria. They are afflicted with widespread sickness. And they went to Assyria, this neighboring empire, but Assyria wasn't able to help and to heal. And it, it isn't until Judah and Israel are torn apart and return to God to seek his face that they find true healing. In verse 14, we're told that the Lord would be a lion, like a lion to Israel, who destroys and tears them apart. Now, people with modern sensibilities may think, I can't conceive of a God who would bring suffering upon people. If God is loving, how can God allow all of this to happen? Why would God bring pain upon people that God loves? But consider this. If you believe that your conception of God to be better, to be more just, to be more loving, to be more complete then the God who you are critiquing, just who really is playing God in that situation? Who's calling the shots? 
who's playing God. If there is a God and this God of scriptures is the true and living God, then we may do well to explore our reactions and our responses to how God has been revealed to us. Yet despite this fierce slaying by the Lord, we continue to see how God's love is at work in Israel. And on to chapter 6 that we look at today, where we begin to see an idea of why a loving God may inflict consequences as God has done in Hosea. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us, but he will, to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. God's tearing and judgment is because of God's love, not in spite of it. God's tearing is so that they might return to the Lord and find healing and find wholeness. As we consider the events of our nation in these past few weeks, we see a nation whose brokenness is being revealed in a significant way. The covers are being lifted off. The false facades are being torn down. And in a perfect opportunity of people in COVID-19 quarantine with no shopping, no traveling, and no sports to occupy our time, that combined with the videos of Ahmaud Arbery's murder, the news of Breonna Taylor murdered in her apartment while she was sleeping with a, when police came in with a no-knock warrant, and the knee on the neck of George Floyd. Add to that this Oscar-winning acting performance of Amy Cooper in Central Park. And you see that the ever-present wounds of America are being unveiled for all to see. The ugly effects of slavery continue to be exposed many generations after slavery was abolished. You know, in many ways, I wonder if America is today not unlike Israel in Hosea's time. You know, like Israel's material wealth at a glance, we see America is doing well. It seems. The stock market has rarely grown as fast than it has in the past two months. Billionaires have increased their wealth significantly. And like Israel, America is experiencing a widespread sickness measured in two million deaths of uh, cases of COVID in the United States. Yet despite the 115,000 deaths, America seems to be doing well enough for people to return to haircuts and gyms and restaurants and even mass protests. Like Israel, in the face of adversity, America turns to empire. For Israel, empire came in the form of Assyria and of Egypt, neighboring empires of wealth and military dominance, who promised security if Israel would plead allegiance to them. But for America, what symbolizes empire for us? Maybe the empire of industry and capitalism. Maybe the empire of the articles of our constitution. Perhaps our rights to defend our rugged individual freedom. Or empire in our hopes of political and legal processes. Or security of police and prisons and military. 
What is it that we run to as a nation for our sense of security? You know, no one could have ever written 2020 to go the way like it has gone. Think of it, back to January, COVID, Australian bushfires, impeachment, locust swarms in East Africa, quarantine, election rigging, unprecedented unemployment since the Great Depression, police brutality, a legal system and a society that clearly applies rules differently depending on the color of your skin. Looting and riots, anti-racism and Black Lives Matter protests, or maybe something that we're all experiencing now to some degree, Zoom meeting overloads. I can't breathe. You do realize that we're not even halfway through the year. I'm tired. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of being torn apart as an individual, collectively and systematically. I'm tired of being torn apart externally and emotionally. And as one of my friends shared so aptly this week, as an African-American man, he said, I'm all out of giving an F. I wonder how many of us might feel like that. Now, I'm not going to do all television preacher here. I'm pointing out our world as a sin, uh, as a sign of God's judgment. Yet I wonder if God's infinite wisdom and love, in that infinite wisdom and love, God is using this season as a tearing of sorts. And in this tearing, God is perhaps revealing some of those things that we put our hopes in that lead us away from true hope in the living God. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bind up our wounds. Like Gomer was to Israel, I mean Hosea, and like Israel was to God. Perhaps we might ask ourselves a similar question. To whom have we partnered our lives with for our sense of security apart from God? As marriage is intended to convey, God calls us, his people, into exclusive covenant or committed partnership in every single aspect of our lives, in all things. And the moment we begin to pick and choose for ourselves, we begin to put ourselves in God's place. And though we find ourselves waywardly looking away from God, God lovingly pursues us. And in that love, God even tears us and wounds us so that we might see how all these other empires will not truly offer what they promise to offer. Our purpose, our sense of identity, our significance, and our security is only meant to be found in the living God. Yesterday, we celebrated a beautiful celebration of life service for our dear friend, Sue Han Gutierrez. Now, if you weren't able to catch all of it, you can hop onto our website or YouTube channel and check it out. In the Zoom call that followed the official service, one of her college dorm mates named Paula shared a lesser known part of Sue's life. As a freshman in college, Sue struggled with the faith that she grew up with. She seemed to be resisting God 
and reluctantly participated with Paula in InterVarsity, the college ministry. And perhaps Sue was processing if there were other things out there that could offer her meaning and hope and security as she longed for. Yet as we have seen and been learning in Hosea, God pursues those he loves. Nothing in our questioning, nothing in even, on our, on, even in our unfaithfulness will stop God from loving us and pursuing us. And even if we find ourselves unfaithful to God, God is never unfaithful in his love for you and for me. And when God uses circumstances to tear us, he also promises to heal us and to bind up our wounds. And that's the promise of God's love. As we see the broken world around us, and we might feel burdened by the racism, by the oppression, by the injustice, what do we do with that? As people cry out for injustice against oppression, we find that true freedom doesn't really come when the oppressed are lifted up and the oppressors are called out and canceled. You see, in scripture, we see that the oppressed often become the oppressors when they are lifted up. So what does God's justice look like? You know, the book of Hosea is like a call back to the covenant that God made with Moses after they were set free from the oppression of Egyptian slavery. God does justice for them. First, by setting them free from oppression, but also he does justice by giving them a new way of living, a new way of relating to the living God. Yet over time, as Israel came out of their oppression, they soon became the oppressors. And that is the setting that Hosea prophesies in. Yet note how Hosea, how does he speak here? It's Israel's waywardness. It's Israel's unfaithfulness that has been the subject so far. But in chapter 6, Hosea switches. He switches from the second person, plural, you, to the first person, plural, us and we. Though Israel is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord, Hosea includes himself in the humble submission to the discipline of the Lord. You know, Old Testament prophets did not separate themselves from the pain of their people. As we heard the story from, about Isaiah, Isaiah, when he saw the sin of Israel, one of the first things he said in Isaiah 6 verse 5 was, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Though they may speak honestly about the sins of Israel, these prophets also include themselves in the discipline and the pain. In our culture of social justice activity, we may be very good at calling out the injustice and the oppression of others, but rarely do we acknowledge our complicity in the pains of our world. Rarely do we enter into the pain of those around us, even when we're not at fault. So what gives Hosea and the other prophets this integrity and this humility? We're told, after two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. But note, who is the agent behind all of this healing and restoration? He will heal us. He will bind up our wounds. He will revive us. He will restore us. The only agent in this healing work 
is God and God alone. Not any other woman or man. And so like Hosea, we too can humbly acknowledge our brokenness and our pain together with those around us. Our sin and brokenness may not be as flagrant as others, but we are no less guilty before the holy living God of the universe. And here on this side of the cross, we realize that Israel's death and resurrection that Hosea speaks of alludes to Christ's death and the resurrection on the third day. Through the cross and the resurrection, we find that God, the God of justice, does justice for all through the person and the work of Jesus. God heals. Through Jesus, God binds up. God restores through all, all of everyone through God's son. When Jesus shows up on the scene himself, he himself reasserts this truth when he speaks of how people might respond to Jesus and God's kingdom. In Matthew 21, verse 44, Jesus says, anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. You know, there's only one way to pass through God's tearing in one piece. It's only through Jesus alone. Though we may see the oppression and the injustice and the pains of others, the way to freedom from oppression, injustice, and pain is not just to call it out and wish for the oppressors to receive their just deserts. That's a kind of justice. It's retributive justice. But the God of Scripture demonstrates a different kind of justice. It's restorative justice. It's a justice that heals, that binds, that restores, and that revives. And this kind of justice comes to those only who return to the Lord. Though God tears us, God will heal us. As we name the pains of our own lives, and especially as we name the pains of the world around us, there is only one way through. In the words of Hosea, come, let us return to the Lord. Let us acknowledge the Lord and let us press on to acknowledge him. In this tearing and in this wounding, the invitation is clear. Return to the Lord, acknowledge the Lord, and press on. But this pressing on is not merely in heart or in goodwill. And pressing on isn't literally just pressing on the like and the share button of your social media. Pressing on continues through to action, to see justice come, to see wrongs righted, to see the oppressed lifted up. Pressing on is realizing that tears and the wounds that God wants to address in our idolatry, in our ignorance, in our comfort and privilege. You see, without tearing, there can be no healing. Without wounding, there can be no binding up. Or as Frederick Douglass said, without struggle, there is no progress. Our action, though, is not driven by self-righteousness and demonizing others with loudness or with silence. Our pressing on is driven by the love of the one who pressed on in pursuit of us in our waywardness. So give thanks. Look upon the love of God revealed in Christ. Fall on him and on him alone. Amen.